0: Hey, Baltimore. This is Megan, and today I'm here with Stacey Todd, who is the site manager of the StoryCorps Mobile Tour.
1: Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me, Megan. Yeah. Did you know that your title rhymes? No. Say it again. <laughs> StoryCorps oh. Mobile Tour. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not your title, but, but it's uh, what you do. I'm from the Midwest, and I say the word tour, uh, so it doesn't work quite the same way in my yeah, accent. Yeah. Sorry. But I know on the East Coast, it's t- tour. Tour. Yeah. It, yeah. Tour. Tour. No. A to- I, in, living in New York, the last basically 10 years of my life, people would say tourists, yes. right? And th- that word for me is like... I was Did like you say oh, tourist? Tourist, yeah. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> wow. <Well>. Anyway,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, I like it that you pointed that out. I've never thought about it before, so maybe I should change the pronunciation of the word in my mind.
0: Yeah, it'll yeah. stick a little more. <laughs> um, so StoryCorps is in Baltimore for about four weeks, which is very exciting. Yes. Um, do you mind just running through the history of StoryCorps, how it was conceived of and, and why it's become yeah so successful.
1: yeah it's a big idea um yes so our founder is dave isay and he's a radio producer um and he was moved by the idea of just putting microphones in front of regular people um and kind of turning the oral history tradition upside down and not having um you know, an academic sitting there asking you questions but bringing in two people who know each other into a small recording space, an intimate space, and just letting them talk about whatever they want for 40 minutes. Um, so in 2003, Dave Isay opened um, the first StoryCorps recording booth in Grand Central Terminal in New York City, and we've been recording nonstop ever since then. Um, we have booths in Atlanta, Chicago, and San Francisco, and at the heart of what we do is just a conversation between two people who know each other so they get a copy of the conversation on CD when they leave and they also have the opportunity to have it archived at the Library of Congress um, how did the library of congress agree i mean it, that that i mean it's the partnership with the american folklife center at the library of congress that's where our archive is housed at the american folklife center mm-hmm. it goes back to the beginning and i don't know that much about the history of the p- agreement yeah. um but I just know that we're thrilled to have them as a partner because that's really what the majority of participants that I talk to, they're just really, really excited to have their voice archived at the Library of Congress. Yeah, and I mean, it's
0: like the most legitimizing sponsor you could possibly right.
1: have. So for the last month, we were... At Uh, our mobile booth, the Airstream trailer, was parked at the Library of Congress. So it was symbolic. Um, So back to the history of StoryCorps, we started in 2003 in Grand Central Terminal, um, and then two years later, in 2005, they launched the mobile tour. So the first time there was an Airstream that was converted into the recording booth, they launched it from the Library of Congress. So that was 2005, and the mobile tour has been traveling the country year-round, nonstop, Ever since, and it took eleven years to get back. to get back. Yeah, oh, wow, we've done recordings in DC um, with different like um, programs through StoryCorps, but um, but the, that's the first time that um, the mobile booth has been back at the Library of Congress. So we are really excited about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't did that answer your question about the history? Is, yeah, is that, I mean, I guess because it started as
0: I knew it started as just one booth, right? So it's fascinating to me that it spread the way it did and it's become this institution so mm.
1: um
0: why do you think it's so well received
1: well for me i think the actual experience the people who participate it's a it it can be a very moving uh I, maybe life-changing is too grandiose but it can be a very um you know important experience in their lives. But for the people who hear our broadcasts on the radio, once a week we're, um, we do a short broadcast on Morning Edition mm-hmm. on Friday mornings. Um, and we're also really grateful to have them as a partner for all of this time. You know, it, StoryCorps wouldn't be as well known as if it wasn't for our partnership with Morning Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's it's so different than anything else you hear on the radio. It's just two people talking, two people talking about something that matters to them, mm. and it really cuts through like the noise, I think that when people are sitting in the recording space, they're really truly just talking to the person who's across the table from them, and they're not thinking about, this might be on the radio one day. Because it, we've archived over 65,000 conversations wow. at the Library of Congress, and less than 1% of them are ever on the radio. Mm. So the people who are having the conversations are doing it to preserve the stories for their family and to preserve their legacy and, you know to to record their story in their own voice, and when you cut that audio and so the story conversation is about forty minutes, most of them start out that way and then our we have a production team in Brooklyn who um, edits highly edits them to be broadcasts on, on morning edition. Um, like the people who are having those conversations aren't thinking about like making it sound good. They're just having a moment with someone they love.
0: Well, and when they're doing, when they're having the conversations, there's a facilitator in the booth, right? Who's sort of prompting or? We are, we
1: are there as witnesses. So we run the equipment. We make sure they're comfortable and we tell them what to expect. And we'll ask like clarifying questions or contextual questions. Mm -hmm. Just. When I'm so I besides being the manager of the or the site manager, I do facilitate two days a week to relieve the other facilitators, and um, we we always tell people that we're sitting there as a witness and um, we bear witness to the conversations and we make sure the that the participants sound good on the audio and um, we will ask some contextual questions. Oh, what I was going to say is, um, sometimes I'll tell my participants like. I am your first listener. I'm while I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about People a hundred years from now who might listen to this, like will their conversation make sense? Mm -hmm. So do we need more context? So I might ask questions like that, but for the most part, it's just the conversation between the two people who are sitting there in the booth. Um, They are responsible to generate the questions and the conversation. And we like to tell people that it's um, not a formal interview. It can go back and forth. Um, Like there doesn't have to be one person who's asking questions and one person who's telling stories. Mm -hmm. It's like can flow back and forth. Do you ever feel,
0: um, like, uncomfortable with the intimacy of being in the booth while these people are uh, kind of bearing their souls to each other?
1: That's such a good question because there's nowhere else in life I can think of where you witness this type of intimacy. Like
0: wedding vows, maybe, but that's yeah. that's even a production. Mm-hmm. You go into it knowing it's yeah. for everybody in the room, but this mm-hmm. is so private. The
1: woman who had this job before me, um, the site manager, was... Uh, who facilitates two times a week. She said like when she was leaving this job, she doesn't know where she's going to get that. It almost becomes like part of your life. Like it is tiring and it's emotional to witness all of these conversations, but it's also so special. And like, Mm -hmm. I, even if they're difficult conversations or over like very emotional you still leave there feeling like you learned so much and that you like are a better person because you witnessed the conversation even the hard ones so she was saying like i don't know what i'm going to do i want to like go up to strangers on the street and just like m- ask them to tell me stories <laughs> so it isn't hard bearing witness to the intimacy but it's so unique. Like maybe, I think maybe a psychologist or social workers might witness these types of things. But, um But yeah, even that's in death, a different context. Like right, That's usually
0: like force. Like you have to be
1: there. Right. They're an active participant. Like mm-hmm. whereas we are, we are completely objective, n- like neutral parties that are simply like bearing witness mm-hmm. to it. Um, so it's really unusual but extremely special. And I, every day I go to the booth, I like, I recognize how special that role is. So,
0: Do the stories... So the, the stories I typically hear on Morning Edition are usually, like, powerful emotionally. They're not typically funny. But <laughs> I was wondering if you ever hear... Yes. Is there humor in this? Yes. Or is it there's,
1: most- oh, there's so much laughter in the booth. And there are funny StoryCorps broadcasts, and I, like, always want to, like, just sh- do a listening event where I just play, like, the funny ones. Um... Yeah, there is definitely a lot of humor. Of course, there's a lot of like tears. Most StoryCorps um, sessions have both tears mm-hmm. and
0: laughter. <laughs> are you allowed to like laugh and cry? I mean, is you that... mean me
1: personally? Yeah. Um, as the as I mean, the facilitator, yes. yeah, we are expected to react like humans. We try not to infiltrate the audio as much as we sure. you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, um, but we are absolutely expected to react um, in a, a human way. Um, Of course, we have to continue doing our job. So you can't be like... We take notes during the conversation for the archive, so it's basically a summary of the people's conversation, just Mm -hmm. like objectively, like what are they talking about. Um, So you wouldn't want to have like teardrops all over that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it together. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how did you end up with this job? Um, I began with StoryCorps in the office in 2013 and I worked um, in a department called Public Information and Services Um, so we are the team that answers any number of questions about StoryCorps every day coming in through the internet and on the phone just basically organizations who want to partner with us, people have questions about how to participate or former participants who like lost their cd and want a copy uh-huh. so um i worked from 2013 um until the end of 2015 um in that department and then i started this job um in the on january 1st 2016 so i've been traveling um across the country we started in new mexico um in january but to back up i mean how how did i get involved with story i don't have a background in radio or audio. I um, studied linguistics in college, and I just... um, I've been in... I was in customer service, and I just really love people, Mm. and I'm a people person. Um, So I was intrigued by... The mission of StoryCorps, of course, I think everybody is intrigued by the mission yeah. of StoryCorps, and um, found a role that fit me really well in public info, and then um, this job. I mean, is, it was like my dream job. So it seems like yeah. a, you get
0: to travel and meet people. That's such a neat, yeah. It's a fantastic.
1: It's a fantastic job. Of course, it's. It's tiring being on the road all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. January, I was in Las Cruces, New Mexico. February, we were in San Antonio, Texas. March was Nashville, Tennessee. And then last month, we were in um, D.C. And um, after here, we'll be going to Providence, Rhode Island. So I'm really excited. Providence
0: is cool. Yeah, I've never been. So I'm
1: looking forward to it. Um, but about our time in Baltimore, I do want to mention um, that we're just really excited to have the partnership with WYPR and with MICA. and we'll be recording at um, on the campus at MICA and Co- Cohen Plaza mm-hmm. um, until June seventeenth, and we don't have any appointments available they anymore.
0: Went fast, yes, I got on the wait list. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. I wanted to
1: say. Like, I definitely want to get it out there that. If you get on the wait list, there's a high, there's a chance that you'll get called and get an appointment because people I've had two calls, people yeah, cancel, people cancel all the time. So I would encourage your listeners to get on the wait list. I don't mm. if this is going to be broadcast before we leave. I'm, Either way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and well, if anybody's coming up to Providence, or if anybody is ever in Atlanta, Chicago, or San Francisco, it's much easier to get an appointment in one of those three cities because those booths are there year round.
0: Right.
1: So, um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there.
0: How has Baltimore been for you? Have you been here before? Well, we've been
1: here a week. I haven't been to Baltimore before. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I mean, it's like especially the campus of MICA is beautiful. But there's just so much going on. We, me and my team went to a um, Prince dance party at the wind-up space last Friday That night. is a very ballsy thing <laughs> to do. <laughs> um, which was fun. We One of the first nights we were here, we sat in bleacher seats at um, Camden Yards and saw oh, the Orioles play. Isn't that a nice stadium? Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. So we're loving it. Um, we have a lot of great... Um, par- so... Uh, in every city that we visit, we do in advance. We do a lot of outreach to um, community organizations um, and people doing good work, um, you know, in each city, mm-hmm. and pe- you know, doing work in the cities in diverse populations. So we always want to make sure that we record a representative population of the city. So we have a lot of great partnerships um, in Baltimore that we're looking forward to, um, you know, recording just people from all over the city.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if we if we don't do the outreach work, we we might just be recording with, you know, the public radio listeners or people who are, like, are from already familiar with StoryCorps. And we definitely... Or the people, like, in that immediate neighborhood. Exactly, yeah. like, people who see the booth. So we always want to make sure that we're recording with people who maybe wouldn't know about us. And have um, you...
0: Do you feel like you've gotten a good mix of the population?
1: Yeah, well, we've just been... Um, we've only been here a week. We've only been recording... Um, I guess today, yeah, we've recorded five or six recording days. So, yeah, we're definitely seeing um, diverse folks come into the booth, people from all over. Um, My co-facilitator and I, um, well, Felix, who was in the booth with me yesterday, speaks um, fluent Spanish. And so we recorded two whole conversations in Spanish yesterday, which was cool. Um, So, yeah, we're seeing lots of great stuff and sitting down and hearing really amazing conversations, too. So. Have you ever recorded your own? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Who did you I am um, well, I've recorded with both my parents um individually, so once with my mom and once with my dad, and that's when I was driving over here, I was thinking about like the importance of StoryCorps and I think about like how much I would give to have any of my grandparents' mm-hmm. voices recorded, you know, and I never have or I'd never had the opportunity to do it um so that's why I feel like I instinctually like made sure the, the his first like the first opportunity i had i recorded with my mom and recorded with my dad i really really want to record with my brother because he's hilarious and he's a really good storyteller um that he would be a funny one with lots of laughter so i haven't done that yet but i've recorded with a couple um good friends too as a staff member at story um so we do training for facilitators periodically, like, around every six months because a lot of the facilitator positions are contracted. Um, like, the mobile tour, for example, like, none of us are, like, um, long-term, like, indefinite employees. We're all contracted for, like, 12 or 18 months. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're constantly, every six months or so, um, doing facilitator training and whenever we are doing facilitator training in new york um the staff that works in the office in brooklyn has opportunities to do like staff recording days That's a good part. so it's like yeah so um so we try to make sure that everybody who works with us like even if it's on the development side or in finance or whatever like you know the it people like they all need to know what the story experience is so mm-hmm. The best way to be able to explain to somebody like where you work and what you do is to like actually participate. Sure. Because StoryCore is a hard thing to explain, I think, especially to if if somebody doesn't have any idea what it is. Yeah. I I learned about StoryCore in two thousand thirteen from watching the animations on YouTube. I had never because I wasn't I listened to NPR but I never was up early enough to hear it on Morning <laughs> Edition. So I saw it on YouTube at the animations. Um A college professor, like, had played one of them um, in class. And I was just, like, blown away by it. But I was confused because I was like, wait, but they're, they're animations. Like, what is this organization? And I think a lot of people, you know, you... You hear about story. We do a podcast too, and like some people know about us originally from the podcast. Some people know about us originally from the animations, or there's books published as well. Oh wow. And I like think trans- transcribed conversations. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um. One a new one just recently was published. It's called Callings, and it's all about um people's calling to their careers or their jobs or like what has moved them through life. Um, it's fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, but so I guess my point is is that whatever stream you learn about story you kind of have this like idea that that's what it is but there's so much going on i mean we have an education department that like is in hi- like uh, high needs high schools across the country wow. like try- teaching students the um like the art of storytelling um and giving them like empowering them through storytelling
0: well i think um the idea of empowering yourself to tell your own story is really important because you you hear these bigger stories and these grander stories than than maybe the life you're living, but there is something special about what you're doing. So it's nice to have a platform.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. I think that's the whole, like, yeah, that's the whole idea behind story course, that every voice matters and everybody has a story. And, Yeah, I think a lot of people walk through life thinking that they don't, and we're trying to change that. Yeah. Yeah. So your last day in Baltimore is? June 17th. June 17th. Yeah, our last recording day is June 17th. Um, We record every day of the week besides Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, and we always are having cancellations, so people can get on the wait list and very likely be called cool yeah but you you have to have a partner that's the one thing that a a lot of times people don't understand is it's meant to be a conversation with somebody that you know so if you get on the wait list try to at least have one person in mind that you could bring in there you go yeah thank you so much for being here Stacey. thanks for having me
0: yeah